Kashiki and Moof Milkers, and welcome to this week's episode of Faking Star Wars Radio, the official podcast of FakingStarWars.net. This week we have more listener mail, a tweet of the week, another great Faking Star Wars poll, an interview with Han Solo director Ron Howard, and several other surprises. My name is Storm Duper. And joining me today is my co-host, IG69. Hello, everybody. Well, you know what that sound means, don't you, IG? What does that mean, Storm Duper? It's time for our Tweet of the Week. This week's tweet comes to us from Willie Bobo. You can follow him at Faking Star Wars on Twitter. Report, J.J. Abrams, busy planning elaborate Millennium Falcon door malfunction to bypass the compressor and crush someone in honor of Harrison Ford's accident on the set of The Force Awakens. Wow, that's an actu- that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, J.J. Abrams always has some interesting creative uh, ways of getting his actors to deliver the best performance and to make something more out of the filmmaking process. Who would you like to see crushed, Stormtrooper? I mean, the first person who comes to mind, just because it would be so unexpected, would be BB-8. Because the way the ball would just crumble, I think, would would be interesting to watch on screen. How Hmm. about you? Hmm. Uh, I personally think uh, we need to see the return briefly, very briefly, of Jar Jar Binks. Uh, That would be a lot of jelly on the the set. Yes. Gungan Gungan jelly and and peanut butter and Gungan jelly. Gunga bits everywhere. Yeah. Um, of course, that's not going to happen because that is some pretty pretty low-hanging fruit. I mean, J.J. Abrams did joke about leaving uh, Jar Jar's skeleton in the Jakku Desert. I'm sure it's there somewhere. Oh, that would, that would be really, really nice. Hmm. Do, you think, do you think this is wise of J.J. To, to do this kind of stunt for publicity? I mean, if I, was, uh, if I were Harrison Ford, I don't know how I'd feel about it. What if they, like, somehow find Harrison Ford's body, like it somehow survived the explosion— and then they bring it on the Millennium Falcon, and then it gets crushed again. Oh, like crushing a cadaver? Yeah, like beating a dead horse. Right. You mean sort of like all of the newest Star Wars movies we've had for the last five years? Oh, yeah. But it makes uh, Harrison Ford come back for yet another Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that might be worth it. That might be worth it. Good. Well, uh, get us. you'll hear us uh, next week with another Tweet of the Week. Thanks, Willie Bobo. IG, it's time for another Faking Star Wars listener poll. Oh, that sounds interesting. What do we have this week? This one comes to us from Willy Bobo, and the question is, was L337, the lovable robot, if you've seen the movie, I'm sure you have. K2SO's girlfriend, right? Yeah. Was L337 supposed to be taken seriously in Solo, a Star Wars story? And the options are... Yes, she was woke as, and I can't say the next word there, but you can intuit, or no, she was a parody. Hmm. IG, everybody wants to know, what do you think? What do I think? I think she was meant to be taken seriously in the original version of the movie, which of course was redone by Ron Howard. And oh, then, you mean before they fired yeah. uh, Lord and uh, yes, whatever his face? Yes, yes. Um, I think... They were. She was a big part of their movie. Like she's meant to be K two S O, right? But um, I heard she actually when, only got into the movie because she was sleeping with Chris Lord. How old those pansexuals? Yeah. 
So um, I think uh, I think that when Ron Howard changed the movie, her tone no longer fit. But she was originally meant to be a serious character. So they just had this sort of kind of work her in there, basically? And I, th- I don't think they could have completely reshot the scenes. Um, and t- like they already had most of it, the movie finished, so they couldn't have taken her out of most of them. So in a sense, she was supposed to be woke, and then she just became a parody of herself. Yes, basically. Well, with ADR, do you, do you know what ADR is? Yes. Okay, yeah. I mean, they basically can record you know, audio over whatever they've already recorded. So they, especially with a robot, I mean, it's very easy to just put in different di- lines of di- dialogue compared to what they had before. So mm, yeah, but they wouldn't have matched her for her, uh, well, anything. I mean, they could have not with her actions and stuff. Like she, she was meant to be like the the sort of comic relief, but also um, like sort of the badass. And she, she's meant to like that was the story. It was like oh, she's the heart of the Falcon, and eh, but I think originally, yes, she was meant to be taken seriously. Okay. Um, I think she was just kind of a dumpster of jokes in the movie well, itself. Yes, but the movie originally was meant to be a dumpster of jokes. That's why they oh, fired the directors. Ah, yeah. What was the quote? Uh, a dumpster fire. Yes. Is there, oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot that Disney wanted to make a dumpster fire of a movie. Okay. Well, uh, with 54%, uh, fans are, uh, agree that she was woke as, mm. and 46% know she was a parody. So people kind of... In two minds about this still. We'll see as time goes by if people really understand what her character was supposed to be. I'm anxiously awaiting the documentary, The Making of the Han Solo movie, because I think it'll be a lot more interesting than the actual movie. Oh, definitely, yeah. And now a word from one of our sponsors. Are you tired of your heist going awry? Does your next operation need more muscle? Can't find that smuggler you're looking for? Well, look no further than Bosk. Bosk has more than 40 years of proven experience in the fields of bounty hunting, disintegration, target acquisition, mercenary consulting, interrogation, and aromatherapy. So before you plan your next nefarious deed, call Bosk for the kind of help only years of experience can provide. Call 1-800-555-BOSK. It's time to go on the ground to our new correspondent, Gemma the Hutt, who is outside the Chinese theater interviewing people who have just seen Solo, a Star Wars story. Thank you, Stormtrooper. I'm Gemma the Hutt. I'm live on the street outside Nan's Chinese theater. I'm here with Herbert. Oh, hello there, young lady. How are you today? I'm very good, Herbert. What did you think of the movie? Oh, I, I'm very upset. I, I, I'm trying to find my medicine. I, I thought I saw some kind of smugglers uh, in there take something of. Have you seen anything? I'm, I'm still looking for it. Well, there are smugglers in the movie, and uh, who is your favorite character? I don't like smugglers. They're always trying to come. I, I don't have many belongings, so it was very upsetting for me. I'm very worried. So speaking of worry, um, what do you think about the controversy of Lando Calrissian being a pansexual? I, I don't know who that is. I, I've never met him. But I, uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you can do anything you want as long as you do it in the privacy and safety of your own home. But in, in my case, uh, I, I usually have to go behind the bushes, uh, if you understand. Thank you, Herbert. It's a little uh, embarrassing. I understand. Um, did you like the way Han Solo got his name? I like all kinds of solo names. Uh, 
I, I feel like people are always asking me these questions, and the government is trying to give it to me, and if I don't answer correctly, they're probably going to come and take all my medicine. I don't know what else is going on here. Have you seen my medicine? Where's everyone? Where's everybody? Please, please, help me, help me. They're coming to get me. Thank you, Herbert, for your input. I hope you enjoyed the movie. Storm Duper, back to you. Today, the galaxy mourns the loss of Barry Kowalski. Barry was a well-known philanthropist in the Outer Rim Territories. Whether it was visiting sick children in hospital, feeding the homeless, or guiding lost ships through the maelstrom, Barry was always to be found helping others. He brought hope and happiness to the lives of thousands over the course of his many centuries of charitable endeavors. On May 23rd, smugglers broke into his residence, next to the Maw. His wife returned to find the asteroid cluster ransacked, and Barry almost completely devoured by a gravity well. If anyone has information regarding the identity of the smugglers, please contact your nearest Imperial authority. Barry is survived by his wife and thousands of children. A memorial service will be held on Kessel next month, and the Emperor has pledged to open a Barry Kowalski Memorial Outreach Center for at-risk space octopi. I thought that was a nice gesture of Emperor Palpatine to, you know, uh, offer up just a little bit of condolence in the wake of this tragedy. He's truly a kind man, Stormtrooper. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's he gets a bad rap, you know. Oh. But he, you, you know what? Sometimes, um, you know, being strong means that um, people don't like you. Yeah. Well, what a tragedy, though. I mean, one of the just admirable heroes in the galaxy just oh. a life snuffed out far far too many centuries too early I mean, oh exactly barry I mean, had at least half a millennium left to live of a robust squid life oh sure, sure. Ugh, oh man what, what a loss yeah and i was surprised to hear about his family life in his obituary because i had always thought that uh, barry was a pansexual oh too soon storm duper too soon Introducing a new game here at Faking Star Wars Radio. It's a lot like Two Truths, One Lie, just with 50% more lies. We call it Duel of the Fakes, and here's how it works. I'll serve up three stories, which should all be fake, because this is Faking Star Wars Radio after all. But here's the rub. One true story in the mix, pretending to be fake. And there is nothing we hate more than a fake, fake story, right, IG? Absolutely, Stormdooper. So it's your job, ID69. You have to smoke them out if you can. Now here's the other rub. If you're wrong, then you get a punishment. Oh. Yes. And this mm. week's punishment is uh, every time somebody says, I don't know, you have to reply in the voice of Borgullet from Rogue One, Borgullet will know the truth. Okay. See. So you want to practice? Because I, I think you're going to get it wrong anyway. Go ahead. Give it a practice. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're confident? Okay. I'm fine. So, um, and, and you always rub me the right way. <laughs> so let's dive in, shall we? Uh, this week's Duel of the Fakes is all about big breaks for the cast of the Solo A Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Movie. 
which one of these origin stories is a real true story, a fake fake story? Jonas Suatamo, Suatamo, the guy who plays Chewbacca, was discovered in the dressing room of a big and tall outlet store in Sweden. Second one, Alden Ehrenreich was discovered in a bizarre video where he sneaks into a girl's house and smells her clothes. And the third one, Donald Glover was discovered on the campus of Howard University performing musical comedy under the pseudonym Derek D. Hmm. So uh, all three of those sound like they could be fake. I mean... Or true. Well, yeah. You never know in Star Wars land where they find some of these actors. I mean, so what's it going to be? Uh, the story about Jonas Suatomo, Alden Ehrenreich, or Donald Glover? I'm going to go with Donald Glover. Donald Glover. Unfortunately, IG, that is a real fake story. I'm sorry you get the punishment for the week. Actually, the fake fake story was number two. Oh. Yes, Alden Ehrenreich. That is a true story. He was discovered in a bizarre video sneaking into a girl's house and smelling her clothes. People think that Alden was discovered at a bat mitzvah. Mm -hmm. That is true from a certain point of view. But he actually wasn't even at the party. Uh, it was a video he had made for the girl, and that was screened at the bat mitzvah. And apparently uh, Steven Spielberg thought that he was really good at sniffing socks, I guess. So there you go. Well, everyone needs a hobby. Yeah. Interesting story, huh? Wow. Do you know any other details? No, I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> oh, board college will know the truth. Oh, man, that's going to be hard for you to take that every week because you're surrounded by imbeciles who don't know much. <sighs> that is true. Of the fakes. Of the fakes. Faking Star Wars Listener Mail. You have a collect call from. Jason's cousin, Jimson. Inmate 06-0609 at Kessel Space Mines Correction Facility. Will you accept the charges? Uh, not again. Yeah, okay, fine. Howdy, Storm Duper and IG-69. It's me, Jason's cousin, Jimson. You know, from school. Anyway, I was calling to ask you guys to share your favorite Star Wars memory. Mine was peeing out the back of my dad's Dodge pickup while watching the Phantom Menace at a drive-in. I was about 17 when this happened, and some yuppie called the cops on me. Uh, it was my first trip to juvie. Oh, well. Oh, I gotta go. Guards call me back to my cell. Huh. Oh, wow. Peeing out the back of a pickup truck watching Phantom Menace at a drive-in. Did you see Phantom Menace in a drive-in there, IG? Indeed, and actually, Storm Duper, my best memory was also involved with this Phantom Menace. Not the watching of it so much, okay, but the, the sweet anticipation of a new Star Wars movie and waiting in line with my friends, all of that. Everything leading up to the movie was probably my best Star Wars memory. That's fantastic. That's so sweet. Yeah. 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 I didn't know you had it in you to be so yeah, genuine. I mean, the, the waiting for the movie was... Like the best part of the entire prequels. Yeah, the waiting part. Yeah, the waiting. Yeah. Before you saw the movie. Before I saw it, yes. Right. Like before it came out, before 
before, before you knew I what it was. Into the theater, uh, yeah. that was like it was amazing. Right, it was amazing in my mind. Right. So you mean the part where you hadn't seen the movie? Was right. Amazing. Right. Just yeah. before I'd seen the movie, that uh, was that was like super amazing. Yeah. No, it was pretty good for me too. Hmm. My my favorite part was when I wrote the original Star Wars trilogy screenplays. Good. All right. All right, thanks for your questions. You can send them on Twitter or get us on our listener uh, answering machine anytime here at Faking Star Wars Listener Mail. This is IG69 here with Ron Howard, the director of Han Solo, A Star Wars Story. Um... And we're going to be interviewing him and finding about all the nitty-gritty behind-the-scenes actions. It's great to be here, IG. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Long-time listener. Oh, thank you, Ron. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. Well, thank you. So, so my first question for you, Ron, is uh, what was the situation you took over from uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller? Well, that was a fascinating, fascinating example of how the uh, world of Hollywood never mm-hmm. ceases to amaze you. Uh, I came in about 10 months into production, uh, and they had a full cast and crew and sets, cameras, the whole rig. Um, And amazingly, uh, they had just been spending literally the last 10 months sitting around playing Sabacc and talking about how they wanted to do some of the scene breakdowns. And so they literally had not one frame filmed. Wow, because uh, like I've always heard that they had had almost 90% of the movie finished. Well, that's the story they'd like you to believe because um, nobody wants to think that these movies are in such frail, precarious hands, but that actually is the truth. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, on the other hand, some of the cast members got to be really good at Sabacc, so oh. there's that part of the story that's really good. Wow. Okay. Well, um, I mean, that's great. I mean, being awesome at a fictional game is definitely a life skill. I hear a little bit of condescension coming from your voice, and I've just met you, so forgive me if I'm being a bit presumptuous, but uh, I think you need to treat this uh, property with a little bit more respect and humility, okay? Mm. Um, sort of like uh, like, this is, this like is, Phil Lord and Chris Miller did. We're talking about. Like, like Phil Lord and Chris Miller did. Well... I don't know their, their real motivation for encouraging people to do that, but I think they probably had big plans. But unfortunately, we just, the time wasn't there, and it was a little bit expensive to keep doing that. Wow. So I'm, I'm, you seem like a pretty generous guy there, Ron. Pretty good generous guy. I've always wanted to be involved in Star Wars from day one. So, so for me, it wasn't easy. It wasn't difficult to make the decision. So how long uh, from you taking over... Um, did it take to uh, finish completing 100% of the movie then? About a week. Wow, that is that is amazing. Yeah, we shot it sequentially, and uh, we only did one take of every single scene, so it had a very raw, naturalistic feel to it, which is what I have always wanted anyway. Yeah, I hear that's like really how George Lucas does most of his stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes the actors didn't even know I was filming them. They would just be hanging out socially, and I just said, hey, turn the camera on, and we got some great stuff from that, hmm. so... Were there any memorable, like memorable, like uh, ad libs, or um, just like letting the 
letting the actors just uh, kind of riff on each other. Well, one time, actually, it got kind of spicy between L3 and Chewbacca one day, Mm -hmm. and I kind of caught them in the middle of, uh, I don't want to call it a lovemaking session. That would be a little bit too risque for a set. But they were getting pretty intimate, and we we did end up filming it. That's going to be a deleted scene on the Blu-ray, and I think people are going to see that the relationship that Han, Lando, and Chewie uh, and L3 all had was a little bit more complicated than you get to see in the uh, theatrical release. Oh, wow. So there was like a sort of love triangle i think it was more like octagon uh, yeah it was like a dodecahedron yeah yeah but we just didn't have time to elaborate on those relationships in just a two-hour movie especially with uh you know a lot of the concerns coming out with the film because of the directorial change we thought it was safer to put that stuff on the blu-ray so okay that's great that's great um all right, so, I mean, general impressions of the movie. Are you satisfied with it? Yeah, I, I think I accomplished my goal. Um, the only thing is we might have taken a little bit too long to film it. Uh, there were times when we were, you know, into, like, day two of seven, and I thought, you know, we could have just shot this in one day, and it would have been just as, just as it would have that spark, you know. So we, we uh, might have felt a little bit too much pressure to get things right. And uh, so, you know, there's a possibility that we are in talks of redoing the film mm-hmm. and actually just doing it live. Oh. So like a two-hour live special that you might get, um, which would which would be really interesting for Star Wars anyway because well, we've never had that before. You mentioned the word special, and I've heard that uh, they're considering you for doing the new Star Wars holiday special. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure when that's going to come out. Am I allowed to, to talk about this already? I mean, it's but, not even June. Like maybe next Christmas? That is a big secret. I don't know how you got wind of that. Um, But, yeah, I guess this is as good a place as any to announce that um, part of the deal that I insisted on uh, in getting to come forward as the the, uh, director for the Han Solo film was getting to do a sequel to the Star Wars Holiday Special as well. So uh, Lumpy and uh, Mala are going to be all coming back and it's going to be an absolutely fantastic, fantastic holiday special. I can't wait. Wow, that's going to be amazing. Um, I mean, especially since uh, you know we did the uh, new Sherrywook um, uh, Rosetta Stone product. Now people that. can follow along with the conversation because that's the problem. The first Star Wars uh, holiday specials, no one could understand the Wookiees. Now they can. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm actually planning to do the whole special in Shirawook this time. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, um, as you saw, it was just a little bit of a teaser in this film where Han speaks Shirawook mm-hmm. in the dungeon, and and so we're just that was such a successful scene. We said, eh, what the heck? Let's just do a whole movie that way. Well, uh, as you might have heard from our pre- uh, one of some of our previous episodes, there, uh, Stormtrooper and I are pretty good at Shirawook. So if you need any extras or maybe consultants on the project, please look at Faking Star Wars. Um, well, we'd I be do, glad I, to help out. I, I do like to help my friends. So, you know, if you're faithful to me, uh, you know, we may be able to sneak you in there somewhere. I think we can work together, Ron. Great, great. All right. So, um, okay. Uh, do you have anything else to add for our uh, program? Well, actually, uh, I'm very surprised that you haven't asked me about the financial aspects of the release of the film. Well, I mean, I've heard it's not the most financially successful movie at the moment. It's been a flop, an utter flop. Wow. Um, I'm sorry about that because, I mean, honestly, it's a pretty good movie. I think so, and it wasn't my fault that it flopped. Well, um, so what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I'm not very worried. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, yeah, the movie uh, probably is going to lose $80, $100 million. Uh, you know, uh, everybody involved with it might not find any more jobs. 
I'm not very concerned. It seems like uh, they'll make up for that uh, loss with the sale of toys and tie-ins with like fast food chains and things like that. Don't you think? Oh, sure. And then like DVD releases. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they probably have a whole bunch of like products that they're mm-hmm. going to sell, I bet. Like uh, probably things like uh, coats and, and shoes and pillowcases and underwear. I think they're really high quality products, don't you think? Oh, Sure. And discounted, actually, really cheap. Uh, you can go down to the store and buy some right now. Actually, uh, a lot of people could do that. It would be, it would, it would. They would love the products. I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. I'm, yeah, and uh, you know, I think that uh, there's a lot of other ways people would be thinking about spending their money these days too. Like, I mean, I, for example, like I have this awesome new Ford Bronco uh, that I'm selling for basically half price. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. And I have this mansion in Beverly Hills. Don't need it anymore. I'm just really content to live in an apartment these days. And it's not, it's just because as I've grown older, I've gotten simpler and I need less. I, so. I, I see where you're going with this. Um, okay. All right. Well, Ron, it's been great having you here. Um, and don't worry, your check is in the mail. Thanks. Hey, is uh, that change on the floor? Is that yours or mine? I, I think oh, it's mine. Uh, actually, that, that fell in my pocket there. I'm sorry, dude. You, Can I? No. Uh, no, you can't. And now a word from one of our sponsors. For years, he's thrilled and captivated himself with his music. Tobias Beckett's Valachord Hits, featuring hundreds of your least favorite Tobias Beckett tunes, including the Wookiee Blues. got some trouble. They locked you away. Threw you down in the mud. You got help. So get on my spaceship, son, and let freedom Crimson Dawn, a ballad. Everybody loves a big shot gangster. I never said I wouldn't shoot first. The bounty hunters on this planet all know my name. I don't like you, and he doesn't like you either. Coaxium Blues. Well, you can't trust nobody, and I ain't got no friends. This galaxy is mean, boy. I just can't contend. Coaxium train, boy, gonna take me away. But I lost my wife and pilot guard. Coaxium blues today. Dryden Voss will kill you if you don't do what he say. Dryden Voss will kill you if you don't do what he say. With his knife he will slash you, take your life away. Well he don't ask twice.
dreams and blast away. You might expect to pay under 12 credits if you round down for this legendary collection. It's all yours for one easy installment of 219.7 galactic credits. To order your copy of Tobias Beckett's Battle Court Hits, call 1555-893-1138 or send cash, check, or money order to pick in Star Wars P.O. Box A113A, cleaning and some mid rim 432002. Refunds unavailable on Scarf or Alderaan. Well, hey, IG. That's about all for this week. What did you think of the episode? Oh, it was fantastic, Stormtrooper. As always, right? Oh, we're, we're awesome. Well, tell the listeners where they can find us. You can follow Faking Star Wars on Twitter and Instagram at Faking Star Wars and on Facebook at facebook.com slash realfakingstarwars. And if you guys want to submit any questions for us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or anything, but especially on Twitter, use the hashtag, hashtag FSWRadio, and if it's really good, we definitely will read it next week. You can get official Faking Star Wars t-shirts and lots of other great gear on tpublic.com slash user slash Faking Star Wars. If you'd like, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at DuperStorm. And please stop following me at all. It's really creepy. If you like what you hear and want to give us a hand, support what we do, go ahead and visit http www.ko-fi.com slash fakingstarwars. That's ko-fi.com slash fakingstarwars. Buy us a virtual coffee. This helps us fakers keep making the content that you love. If you don't want to do that, that's fine too. As always, stay tuned to fakingstarwars.net for quality Star Wars comedy, parody, satire, and thanks to you and all of our followers for listening. Until next time, may the foe be with you. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>